2019, this fire happens. Yeah. Suddenly the world uh, responds, and more specifically, people in France respond in a big, big way. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. raise 700 million, was it euros or dollars? I think dollars, dollars. from a couple of billionaires. Three families, I think. Yeah, and at least two of the families connected to the fashion industry, mm-hmm. right? You're listening to The Sill Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 94, The PH Factor, Notre Dame, The Unmaking of History. Dans le Paris de Notre-Dame, de Notre-Dame de Paris. Notre-Dame de Paris, which means Our Lady of Paris. And boy, Our Lady of Paris was hot the other day. Yes, she was. She got hot. She was sizzling. It's quite the fire, eh, Harry? Quite the fire. April 15th, not too long ago, Our Lady of Paris didn't actually burn to the ground, but the roof and the spire burned Mm -hmm. and collapsed inward. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, a lot of the interior remains intact. It didn't burn. Right. The pulpit, the altar, the pews, a lot of the relics, most of the relics were taken out in a Mm -hmm. hurry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and how did that work? So actually there were people in the church when the fire began. That's right. And so I would imagine, I don't know the details in that front, but I would imagine that people said, we've got to get the most sacred items out of the church. So the uh, crown of thorns that's there, the little piece of the cross, right. that's supposedly the authentic crown and piece of the cross, were taken out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I presume also that many of the firefighters that were first in, some of them were probably asked to take out and save some right. of these sacred relics. Mm-hmm. There were renovations and restorations going on, so naturally they removed many statues and things prior to the fire anyway. Well, weren't all, you were saying, the apostles? Yeah, the 12 apostles, the statues that surrounded the spire itself that collapsed, they had been taken away days earlier because they were going to do work on the spire. Hmm. So... Interesting coincidence. The timing was good for saving a lot of the relics, etc. Mm-hmm. So here we are today, we're talking about Notre Dame, we're talking about the building, its history. 850 years old. 850 years old, uh, first started in 1163 AD. Mm-hmm. Commissioned by a bishop? The bishop and also the local uh, mayor, mayor mm. of the city at the time. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, mm-hmm. declared so in 1991. It has a membership, a congregation of half a million people. Half a million plus, yeah. Officially. Mm-hmm. That it, means people who are donating funds and yeah, supporting and the church. Yeah, actually supporting and part of the church, right? Mm-hmm. Technically, it's called Notre Dame de Paris, Our Lady of Paris. Paris. People refer to it as Notre Dame. I've been there twice. Haven't got in, unfortunately. But it's the most visited site in Paris by tourists, like 12 million annually or something. Yeah, 12, 13 there. million. That's what I was Go reading there. Too. Mm-hmm. So it's a major icon, not only for Paris, but for the Roman Catholic Church, mm-hmm. etc. And the church is actually built on a former church site. 
Yeah, actually, it's built on in the very heart of where Paris originally began, and it was a Gallo-Roman settlement called Lutetia. Yeah. And there were temples on there that eventually were demolished or collapsed, and on top of those temples, that site that they built this Gothic mm-hmm. uh, cathedral, which and Gothic was a kind of a new style at the time, right? Yeah, including the creation of the famous flying buttresses. Yeah, so tell me a bit about the architecture. The flying buttresses uh, really strengthened the structure by dispersing the weight on the sides of the building. The actual design of the buttresses, because we discussed uh, arches in our very first Time Trek episode. That's right. And the buttresses themselves have the arch design implemented within the design. Mm -hmm. So the arch extending from the building to the buttresses, which are quite heavy, and are the reason why the loads can be transferred from the arms extended from the roof to the ground. So the weight are transferred through these arches, which are very strong within themselves. And this also allowed the structure to be much higher and allow them to create larger windows because these buttresses could disperse the weight. Yeah, and the walls could be thinner on the interior. So it's kind of like double-walled in a way. It's Mm -hmm. an interior structure, then an exoskeleton, Mm -hmm. where these buttresses come out and then they're anchored by these columns, these weighted columns. Well, the actual buttress is the base structure these arms extend into. And when you were talking about the interior, that's important too because the ribs that are in the interior structure. You can see them when you look up at the ceilings, which are the ribs supporting the roof. Yep. It's the ribs that are transferring the weight to the flying buttresses. Ah, okay, okay. So it's a combination of structures that disperses the load. Yeah. And at the time, these flying buttresses were something of an innovation architecturally, right? Mm -hmm. Using... Older technology, which was the Roman arch. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, other elements of the cathedral are these gargoyles. Mm-hmm. Uh, An impressive bunch of gargoyles set basically overlooking the city. Yeah, they're called gargoyles. Some of them are called grotesques. Mm-hmm. But these images of strange animal figures. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of which, that's the first image that comes to my mind for Notre Dame. Yeah. Are the gargoyles because I associated with Victor Hugo's uh, book, Right. The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which was written in 1831. Right. And that's my image as a young boy when I first read the book, that and the Miz, which subsequent to the uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, I didn't read the book, but I did see the silent film, the original silent film from 1911, I think it is, starring Lon Chaney. Right. And I forget who played Esmeralda, Rebecca, someone, an actress. But it struck me very powerfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a silent film, too, wasn't Silent it? film, and Notre Dame, in a way, was the star of that film. The shots mm-hmm. of Notre Dame, the bells up in the spire. It was incredible, incredible you, you, you realize we've had three already, three pronunciations of this church. Notre Dame. Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame, Notre Dame. <laughs> which, which is it? That's Frank Sinatra's <laughs> Notre Dame. Yeah, um, yeah uh, and those gargoyles, a lot of people don't realize, were actually systems to drain water off Correct. of the roof. Mm-hmm. They funneled water through their open mouths. That's right. Off the rooftop, mm-hmm. like eaves troughing, mm-hmm. almost. Instead of the uh, urinating figure, they had the uh, gargoyles. <laughs> right. They urinated water on people. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so 
a lot of interesting architectural elements to the building, and the building took about 180 years to get to its basic Yeah, the first form. stage actually took place between roughly 1160 and 1260. Yes, uh, that's right. That was the predominant time frame. And then subsequent to the French Revolution mm -hmm. in 1789, there was a lot of uh, damage done to the building because, of course, the revolt included the decapitation of the heads. Yeah, there's a series of kings that are on one side of the church in a long row, and they were basically the biblical kings. But the folks during the French Revolution thought or assumed they were the actual kings of France, the monarchy. Mm -hmm. And so they pulled them down and decapitated the, the heads off of them. And those heads were subsequently found kind of buried in this trash heap Right. And they're now in a museum, but they basically rebuilt the statues with the original heads. So those are not the original heads on those statues. Quite the symbolic Dr. Guillotine routine. Yeah? Absolutely. Beheading. Mm -hmm. Big deal mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. Here we are now in 2019. This fire happens. Yeah. Suddenly the world uh, responds and more specifically people in France respond in a big, big way mm -hmm, and they mm -hmm. raise 700 million, was it euros or dollars? I think dollars, dollars from a couple of billionaires. Three families, I think. Yeah. And at least two of the families connected to the fashion industry, mm -hmm. right? And not just that, but I mean, the people of Paris, the people of France, they were in shock. And, you know, having visited twice. Yes. I actually felt deep sadness and like I felt I was being wounded somehow as well. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they felt the same way, that this thing that is part of the fabric of their nation, of their culture, of mm -hmm. their religiosity, if yeah, you like. Yeah, the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, mm -hmm. it being kind of desecrated by fire. And that roof that burned was made of timbers that were 800 yep. years old. In fact, they deforested like a 50-acre section of the forest to uh, gain the lumber for that structure. That's right. Now, luckily, people in the 17th century, I think it is, realized that those beams were irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. So they planted oak trees around Versailles. Right. So there's actually a forest of oak trees that are 200 plus years old that mm -hmm. they could potentially harvest to reconstruct that roof. Now, that would be a travesty too when you think about it, cutting mm -hmm. those beautiful old trees down. Well, well, which brings me to part of this discussion with regards to the response and the money that was funneled to the actual event yep. and the restoration, which they're saying is going to take a half a dozen years and all this money. And I appreciate the history. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the architectural and other significances artistically and socially, politically, and so on related to Notre Dame. I do personally, though, take some issue with the fact that you can raise this much money this quickly for a structure mm -hmm. while ignoring starving children and climate change and all these other things which aren't getting anywhere near the response and money funneled into, as I think should be happening relative to the importance of these events. Yeah, but this happens every time there's sort of a national treasure mm -hmm. that is injured or harmed by fire or vandalism or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's this immediate triage 
if you like, economic mm. triage mm-hmm. that's applied, and all this money is thrown in, and the promise of you know Macron promised to reconstruct mm-hmm. the Notre Dame in five years' time. Mm-hmm. Seriously, it took two hundred years to construct, and you want to reconstruct this historic thing in five years. Mm-hmm. These kinds of promises made to kind of salve the wound mm-hmm. of the French people. But you're right. Recently, the uh, Yellow Vest movement mm-hmm. has gotten out onto the streets, and they're protesting Macron, his government, the high taxation rates, the fact that you know, there's a billion dollars towards the reconstruction of Notre Dame, but where is the money for the poor mm-hmm. in Paris and in France? And for the listeners who don't uh, completely know about the uh, Yellow Vests, maybe a quick... Well, I mean, the best I can gather is that they're a kind of a populist movement, a kind of a grassroots movement, Mm -hmm. really made up of a diverse sectionality of the population. Right and left. From left, yeah, left and right and Mm -hmm. extreme right, extreme left, and all of these different people who have their own agendas, but the agendas kind of meet in a way, and, you know, strange bedfellows, Mm -hmm. they kind of agree that the powers that be are corrupt and need to be taken down and replaced by a more equitable system, if you like. It's almost the French Revolution, again. Yeah. Some of the ideas, you know, down Mm -hmm. with the monarchy. It's right, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, again, what I was saying about the relative importance, I'm not suggesting for a moment that it's not important in some way. Yeah. I just think personally, we give a little bit too much weight to those types of significances and not enough to the human condition. Well, I think many people would agree with you. It's a matter of when you're in government, how do you manage to balance all of these mm-hmm. dynamics. And as someone pointed out today when we were talking with them about this Yellow Vest movement, she said it isn't one or the other. Yes, a billion dollars is being raised for the church. doesn't mean that there's no money for the poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, both can happen if the, government, yes. if the government is willing and yes. is inclined to do that. That's the key. It's not the money. The money can be raised. Mm-hmm. There is money out there for everything. I wasn't addressing just the money factor. Yeah. Uh, Actually, what was more significant to me was the response than the money. The quickness, the immediacy, the attention paid, Mm -hmm. almost as if it's a crisis. Yeah. This building's been around for 850 years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think one year, six months, one way or the other is going to make that much of a difference. But the response was immediate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a Paris climate conference. Yeah. And years later, we're still throwing the same things around. Right. That's what I really meant. Fox, Fox. So what's your story? But noble as it has remained while growing old, one cannot but regret cannot but feel indignant at the innumerable degradations and mutilations inflicted on the venerable pile, both by the action of time and the hand of man, regardless alike of Charlemagne, who laid the first stone, and Philip Augustus, who laid the last. On the face of this ancient queen of our cathedrals, beside each wrinkle one invariably finds a scar. I never realized Till now, how ugly I am. And because you're so beautiful. I'm not a man. 
I'm not a beast. <laughs> I'm, I'm about as shapeless as the man in the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you save me? Oh, you asked me why I saved you. Oh, oh, I tried to carry you off. And the next day you gave me a drink of water. Other interesting elements to this story. I've been surfing the net, Notre Dame, and what comes up when you hit Notre Dame or search for it are all of these videos Mm -hmm. supposedly showing that there was activity. There were human beings on the roof of Notre Dame prior to and during the fire. Is that a fireman? It's hard to tell, but they're inevitably grainy. The videos are always out of focus and hard to read. You know, does that look like a firefighter or could it be a Muslim cleric in robes Mm -hmm. trying to plant that seed? And a lot of these videos come from extreme right-wing Christians, fundamentalists, trying to suggest that there's a war against Christianity. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they're suggesting that, you know, there are hundreds of churches across France that were vandalized in the past year. In fact, wasn't there even a couple of key events that were happening at the same time as Notre Dame? Well, one in particular, the Al-Aqsa Mosque in uh, Old Jerusalem caught on fire at the same time that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, Notre Dame was on fire, and we didn't hear a word about that. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting, the emphasis. Which feeds the conspiracy theories uh, immediately. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it feeds the idea that the media are one-sided in favor of the Christian thing and anti-Muslim and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. But inevitably, it's a question mark. You know, the authorities apparently declared that the fire was not as a result of arson, before the firefighters even got a chance to really examine the whole scene. You know, I thought that right away when I heard about it. I mean, within, it seemed like within an hour of the event, they were already claiming it was an accident. Yeah, And I thought to myself, geez, an event of this size, this nature, wouldn't there be an investigative portion before any comments were made? You'd think a thorough investigation would Mm -hmm. be required. It's almost like, let's not even go there. Let's just, here it is. Um, Well, it's like trying to calm the population mm -hmm. immediately to stop them thinking terrorist act. Mm -hmm. And then really, if it was a terrorist act, surely they would blow up the cathedral, not just try to start a fire. Well, you would think they would focus on bringing down the structure and not just the wooden portion of it. When you're thinking that the main structure is stone, Yeah. Uh, You're going to want to probably damage the infrastructure to bring it down. That's right. The other element too, well, first of all, a little side story, which I think is fascinating, is that starting around 2013, Mm. they began to have bees. They had beehives. Yes, on the roof. On the lower level of the roof. Mm -hmm. They had these beehives. And as it turns out... They weren't harmed. They weren't harmed. Partly because the smoke calm them. Smoke calms bees. That's That's, that's how they calm beehives is they put smoke in them. So the bees were kind of cooled out and mellowed out while this fire is going on. And the fire was just far enough away not to melt the wax inside the hives. So these roughly 180,000 bees survived the fire. Act of God? 
Who knows? Divine intervention? Divine intervention? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but it's an interesting coincidence. Right? It's also interesting that such, you would think, fragile insect. Yes. That would overcome such a catastrophic event. Yes. You might have something to say about those beautiful windows, the stained glass. Yeah, the main window to me is very impressive. It still has the original 13th century glass. That's astounding. The rose window. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Um, And actually, even when you're looking at the structure, no matter what particular viewpoint you have, if you catch that window, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, I think they also called the decorative aspects of these cathedrals the poor people's book mm. because people were mostly illiterate then. And these were sculptures. Graphic displays. Yeah, illustrating the stories of the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And they were also colored at the time. They weren't just the gray stone that we see now. Mm-hmm. They were colorful. Yes. Right? So it was a way of helping people read the Storytelling. story. Of history, yeah, Mm -hmm. at least of religious history. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting, I think, as well. The key thing for me, one of the key things for me here, is that this is a building, a building that was created, quote unquote, to the glory of God, Mm -hmm. which is what a cathedral is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. In actual fact, it's to the glory of the church, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. Because if you're devout as a Christian or as any Muslim or whatever, you don't need a building to meet your maker, to talk to your maker. You don't really need that, but the church felt they needed it. Mm -hmm. So this thing that has lasted 850 years, ultimately it doesn't matter if it gets reconstructed, in my view. And in fact, to take those trees down in Versailles Mm -hmm. that are 200 plus years old is sacrilegious, if I can use that word, just to recreate this roof in some of its originality. Mm -hmm. And why do we need to have iconic spaces to actually meet uh, the spiritual world around us? Why can't we go into a forest and do some Japanese forest bathing? I think think a lot of people have difficulty letting go of old ways. Mm -hmm. That's the comfort zone for a lot of people. Um, Tradition, it's like if you stop that, It's a sign for people. It's an end of something. And I think a lot of people have difficulty looking at it from a perspective of just evolving and change, not removing, but changing too. Yeah. And in fact, I think Macron said that they would rebuild, but it wouldn't necessarily be as it was, Mm -hmm. that they would bring more of a modern sensibility to some aspect of the reconstruction. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see more and more of this. I don't know if you and I will live long enough to see some of these changes, but I believe that it's coming. Mm -hmm. It's already here, the escalation of it. Yeah. Also, in terms of helping to restore the building, I was looking to the Vatican and I was thinking, yeah. well, when's the Pope going to come out and say, we're going to provide, you know, out of mm-hmm. our trillions of dollars, mm-hmm. we're going to provide a couple of billion dollars to help build this thing mm-hmm. back? No, not no, a word. No. Not a word. And then suddenly the Pope is saying, yes, we're going to support the reconstruction, not with money, but with consultations in terms of the history, uh, right. the architecture, architecture et cetera, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Not a penny otherwise, ostensibly because there's a charge to go into Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and that because there's a charge and the, the French people have the resources, the Vatican doesn't feel like it needs to support. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a bit strange that they wouldn't. It's not just about money. You would think the association with the Vatican, mm-hmm. that the supposed head of the Roman Catholic Church and this icon that sits in the middle of Paris, which is representative of so many things, not just 
Christianity. Yeah. So I agree in that regard. It seems odd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do we say to conclude our little discussion of Notre Dame? It's a tragedy, yes, on the one hand, for many, many millions of people, for many Roman Catholics, mm-hmm. for many secular individuals like me who have visited Paris. Mm-hmm. I felt shock. I felt wounded. Sure. But at the same time, I won't be getting back in there anytime soon. My wife and I are going in October. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get near Right. That spot. And as is in many similar situations of a tragedy or catastrophe, mm-hmm. you can also look at this as an opportunity. How so? To make things better. The awareness level alone, think of how many people have been educated to the history of this church. Yeah, sure. Uh, or on another side, the people who are now rethinking mm. the whole idea of restoration, of dedication of funds. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are coming up because of it, which perhaps will alter the way we look at these things. And I'll make you a bet right here and now Mm. that within two years, Mm. max, there will be a novel come out like The Hunchback of Notre Dame that will draw attention to that cathedral and the fire that happened and the stories around it as part of its central theme in the novel. I'll make you a bet right now. Maybe I'll write the book. Maybe I'll write it. First of all, I wouldn't (laughs) bet against that. Because when I talk about opportunism, that's included. The movie. When's the movie going to come out? The movie, the money-making potential. There are people that's all they're focused on. Right. I'm not saying that's the majority of people, but there's a lot of people who will look at this as an opportunity, whether it's a movie, a book, mm-hmm. a magazine, a paparazzi style approach to getting this thing spread around, yeah. conspiracy theorists, people that will profit from that too. Oh yeah, big right? time. You can stir up a lot of revolutionary ideas from this and there's money coming in other ways like arms, mm-hmm. uh, revolts, yeah. there's all kinds of crazy things. Of course, I'm being very broad here in my overview, but As I said, where there's catastrophe and tragedy, there's also opportunity. Yeah, and just to bring technology into this for a second, Mm. they've got laser scanning technology where they've laser scanned the entire building inch by inch, Mm -hmm. the entire structure. Yeah, I know. And they have illustrations and sketches and photographs and a ton of material. They can, if they want to, recreate the thing exactly as it was. Right. They're not going to do that, probably, but they can. They have the potential. Mm. So when Macron says five years, he may be right with the level of technology that we have now. Well, sure. Well, it's primarily based on technology. Logistically, it wouldn't be possible to recreate, as you said, what took 200 years. But yeah, we have the capabilities because apart from laser technology and so on, just the machinery and the ability to move materials. I mean, 200 years ago, to get a 30-ton a stone block raised raised 100 meters. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to take a day or even a week. Mm-hmm. Whereas today, you've got the technology, you bring in a nice crane, sure. put it in place, you've got key engineers, you've got laser technology, you've got right. measurement systems that can, within a millimeter, within sure. within seconds. Yeah, a then, massive amount of work can yeah. be applied very quickly there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Much in the way that this podcast requires a massive amount of work to bring these ideas to you. If not massive, certainly significant. And in fact, we have two uh, options for you on our website at thesilkpodcast.com. One is to comment mm-hmm. and send along your thoughts, ideas, your praise, your criticism, and we're open to all of that. Absolutely. Another is we have a donations button. 
Yes, we do. Why do we have a donations button? When this began, one of my pet peeves with podcasts and with media in general is the constant bombardment of advertisements. Right. And so I kind of made it a mandate in the beginning that I would not have advertisements mm -hmm. on these podcasts, regardless of how many people were listening. Right. However, over a period of time, and you know we're approaching 100 podcasts. That's right. This is number 94. Woo. And we've estimated, you and I have sat down and just taken a look at the time we spend and the effort and so on. And if we had to assign a dollar value at moderate hourly levels, it's easy to come up to a figure of five or $600 per podcast to actually produce. Yeah, that's cheap. That's cheap. And that includes the editing, the, the processing, the website, et cetera, et cetera. We do all, everything ourselves. We do it ourselves. We don't have a giant corporation behind us. No corporation. We put on the donate button also because... A few people did actually approach me and say, I like this, and is there some way I can contribute? I love the, the fact that it's completely voluntary. It will not prevent us from continuing to do these podcasts, regardless of whether people donate or not. But it helps us do a better job, and it'll be easier to maintain longevity in this business if uh, we have uh, funds to work with for yeah. the time that we spend. So what if we have to continue eating sardines for breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner? <laughs> we'll survive. We'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, Not to yeah. worry. So that's really why we've got the donate button. There and they go. can read about it anyway by going to the donate button. There's a brief explanation. Yeah. And there we go. Uh, until next time. Au revoir, monsieur. Au revoir. And ciao. Ciao. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Dans Paris de Notre-Dame, de Notre-Dame de Paris, y a un clochard en a plein dos, porté Notre-Dame sur son dos. Il se prend pour Quasimodo, regardant l'air, la vie.